Blog Talk Radio. Oh, 
said a couple to our music ministry this morning and grateful grateful for them and the work that they have been doing I am uh, make sure I turn all this off so people can hear what they need to hear I am uh, again very grateful for them I want to, I feel like I, when you're up here, you feel like you always have to teach. Um, there is a, recognizing what worship looks and sounds like takes constant prayer. It takes constant uh, conversation with God. It takes constant uh, it takes constant being in the presence of God. And, and, and so a lot of times what you may have planned versus what God does is two separate things. So sometimes you can have a list of things that you have scheduled to do, 
But God will say, this right here is enough. But when you're not connected and you don't hear the voice of God, sometimes you have a tendency to go a little bit further than what God would have allowed because God allows his spirit to show up and move at a certain amount of time. And then when that time is here, we need to be able to take advantage of it when it does. And a lot of times we get so pressed to do what we scheduled to do that we'll miss an opportunity. I just felt like I needed to say that. Amen. Um, Again, I'm grateful. Thank you, Pastor Person, for the kind words. I heard them, even though I wasn't in here. I hear um, everything. Y'all know I'm all over the place, but I hear in the back because we're trying to make sure that the people who are not in the physical room with us can hear everything that we are doing. Amen? Amen. Uh, Our scripture text has already been read. It comes from the book of Psalm, Psalm, the 37th division of the psalm we just gave i gave pastor one scripture to read he said just the one i said yeah just the one just the one just the one uh psalm 37 and 25 psalm 37 and 25 it simply reads as follows i have been young and now i'm old yet i have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread i want to talk for a few moments today from a simple subject, he won't leave us alone. He won't leave us alone. That's, 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 that's the subject. How many times have you ever been in a position that people, I should have just left this jacket off, people have been, yeah, I know, right? People have been in a position and you felt like you were all by yourself. But when you look around, you realize, you're all right, sir, you're all right you realize that God has never left you alone. You realize that even though you were going through different scenes and scenarios and situations, that God has never left you alone. This, this particular psalm contrasts the, the, the destiny of the wicked with the future of the righteous. The, the, the wicked, the wicked, the wicked, the Bible tells us that the wicked, though they prosper today, will be cut off in the day of the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the righteous, the Bible also tells us that the righteous will inherit, come on now, the earth and will be vindicated by the Lord. And in Psalm, David also contrasts the conduct of the wicked and the righteous. You see, the wicked, the wicked folks, y'all know the wicked folks, some of them be look like politicians. I'm going to just leave it right there. Some of them look like politicians, but the wicked folks, they oppress the poor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The wicked folk, y'all, when I, I hit your street in a minute, the wicked borrow and do not repay. You don't believe it? Check the amount of money in your Social Security right now. Uh, the wicked borrow and they do not repay. Uh, the wicked plot, come on now, against the just folks. And, and on the other hand, the righteous, come on now, the righteous show mercy and give. His mouth speaks wisdom, come on, and his tongue talks of justice. This, 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 this message in the psalm is to wait patiently in faith on the Lord because the Lord is faithful. Listen, listen, now, now, when you get a chance, read the entire, the entire 37th psalm. It, it, it takes you through this amazing process. The third verse talks like this. It says it feeds on his faithfulness. Feed on the faithfulness of God. God, watch this. You have to learn, that's why I said what I said earlier, you have to learn how to eat when God presents what he's offering. Okay. When the table has been set, 
You have to learn how to eat right then and there because what will happen is if you're so busy trying to do everything else, you will miss the opportunity that God has presented. Then that same psalm goes on to talk about trust in the Lord and do good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he goes on to say in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But first it says what? Delight yourself. Make yourself happy in God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he, come on now, will give you the desires of your heart. Goes on a little further and say, commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him. And then rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And then I like this part, this part, the pastor mentioned this this morning. The steps of the good man are, are ordered by the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Then he said, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. And But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord and he is their strength in a time of trouble. All of that is addressed in the early part of this song. But in my estimation, the most a striking and probably the most familiar part of the text is verse 25. Because the promise of this passage has a resounding similarity to what the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 13 and 8 when he said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Watch this, nor his seed begging bread. And it goes on the further. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, for us, for us, for those of us who are walking with God, this is comforting because we recognize that through every trial and through every struggle, through every battle and through every problem, that the righteous have the promise of God being with us. My Bible tells me that God never forsakes his people. He never leaves us to fight alone and he never abandons us. When, 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 whenever we're dealing with any harshness or, or adversity, we should remember that God is with us. And if God is with us, we can make it. Paul said it like this. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? The answer is that no one can defeat us and no enemy formed against us shall prevail. I just got three little quick points and I'm going to get out of here. But I'm going to try to get out of here before the sweat starts running. Amen. The first point, the first point, because we're talking about David, this is David in this, in, this, in this passage in Psalm. The first thing that David does is he shares his testimony. He shares his testimony. How many of you all know that sometimes just sharing your testimony might be what somebody else needs to hear? You ain't got to know every Bible verse. You ain't got to know every proverb. You ain't got to know what Job said to this one and David said to that one. All you got to do is share what God has done for you. David said, he says, I have been young and now I'm old. Now, now watch this. These are not the words of a novice. That word gets, gets thrown around quite often. You know, we we, we talk about that, you know, where yeah, he, he too young or she's too young to do this and he's too young to do this. David said, I once was young and now I'm old. These are not the words of a novice. David is no neophyte in this situation. He is an experienced man. And the, and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 20 and 29 that the glory of young men is their strength. Come on now. And then it goes on to say the beauty of old men uh-huh, is the gray head. I saw that in there. I saw that in there. Come on, come on. David, watch this, has seen the fullness of life. 
He has tasted the bitter and the sweet. He has experienced both pleasures and pain. David can provide expert testimony concerning the faithfulness of God. And see, here's the thing about being a witness for the Lord. When you're a witness, you're supposed to be able to provide expert testimony. Okay, y'all real quiet, y'all real quiet. Let me, let me go a little further. I don't want to get put on the stand if I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me take a step further. A lawyer won't put you on the stand if he don't already deem you to be an expert. You ever watch a trial and they call what they like to call an expert witness? You know, when they got DNA, they'll call, the, they'll call a doctor or a scientist, and, and he or she is asked to give expert testimony. And the reason that they're called an expert is because they've been practicing in that particular field for a very long time. They've written papers. They got awards and rewards, all types of things. Here's my question. How many of you today, I ain't trying to start no trouble, but maybe I am. How many of you today could be called an expert witness? Huh? Huh? If, if you had to give an account and they called you to the stand and somebody says, Deacon Taylor, I accuse you of being a Christian and, and I want you to get on the witness stand and, and tell us your testimony. Yeah. You see, how many of you could stand up to the heat of the cross-examination? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You see, through everything that David faced, whether it was good or bad, God had never forsaken him. I like the word forsaken, that particular scripture. I had to do a little, little research in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, forsake means, to, uh, it gives a sense to abandon. It means to abandon. It means to leave in a lurch. It means to leave someone who is depending on you, to leave someone alone with a problem. David experienced many hardships. He experienced cruelty from his family and served, and watch this, this thing served to teach him about God's faithfulness. How many of you know that sometimes family can be some of the cruelest folk? I ain't talking about y'all family. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Sometimes, and, and here's the deal, they hurt you the most because they're the closest to you. They, they look, they can hurt you the most because they know where the wounds are. Oh my God. That's, sometimes, watch this, they'll pour salt in a wound that they know don't need salt. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Let me give you an example of how David's family tried to comfort him. First started with his daddy. His father overlooked him. Okay, watch this. 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, 10 and 12, this is what it says. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there is he keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, well, bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So he sent and he brought him, and the Bible says he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for he is the one. So it started right there with his daddy. His daddy, his daddy tried to ignore him. Then if we go a little further, we found out that his brother despised him. I'm still talking about family. Come on now. 1 Samuel 17, 28, 29 says this. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and anger was aroused against David. And he turned around and said, why did you come here? He asked David because they had the battle. Why did you come here? He says, and watch this. He's more concerned. And who did you leave the sheep with? 
Come on now. And, and, and watch this. And, 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 and then he goes on to say, he tried to accuse him. He says, I know your pride and the insolence in your heart. You just wanted to see the battle. But I love David's response. David said, well, David said, what have I done now? And is there not a cause for me to be here? So you got the daddy and the brother. Can I go a little bit further? His wife turned her back on him. Second Samuel chapter 6, 16, and then verses 20 and 21. It says, now when the ark of the covenant had came into the city, David uh, David's wife, uh, McCall, saw, saw David dancing, and she looked through the window and saw him leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And then David returned to bless his household, and then the wife comes out, and she says, look at how glorious the king was in Israel, uncovering himself in front of the maidens and in front of all of the servants, and how shamelessly you look. And David said, it was before God. See, you're looking at the people. David said, I'm doing what I'm doing uh -huh, before God. I'm not trying to please them. I'm trying to please him. And he said, I'm trying to please him. And then David threw a little shade. I like this. David said, I'm trying to please him who chose me instead of your daddy. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Therefore, he says, I will be more vile than this. If the opportunity presents itself, watch this, watch this, watch this. David, 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 David shows us his faithfulness, his faithfulness throughout all of the Psalms. David shows us his faithfulness. Psalm 19 and 1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalm 23 and 1, y'all know it. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Psalm 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. Psalm 27 and 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life and who shall I be afraid? Yeah. The second, the second, the second thing, the second thing, the second point two, so point two real quick. I told y'all real quick. David is an example. You got to be an example. You got to be an example. You say, well, 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 I ain't got no friends. Well, do you show yourself friendly? Huh? I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the one next to you. We, we, we want some, well, how come ain't nobody in our church? Do you show yourself friendly? I ain't talking about to the folk you see every week. I'm talking about to the folk you meet on the street. The, the, the Bible says in the scripture, he says, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. David is an example of righteousness. It's not ultimately David's conduct or behavior that makes him righteous. Let me say that again. It's not his conduct nor his behavior that makes him righteous. Let's remember a few things about this great man called David. Come on, let's get to it real quick. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Oh, come on, let's talk about it. He murdered her husband. Uh-huh. He did nothing when his daughter Tamar was raped by her brother Amnon. Uh-huh. What else did he do? David realized his sin, watch this, and his imperfection. But I like what Psalm 51 and 3 says. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. You know what I like about that scripture? Before you start talking mess and crazy about somebody else, Maybe if we start acknowledging the sin that was in us, I wouldn't be so quick to put my mouth on somebody else. I just thought I'd help 
somebody. I, I say this, I say this is one Ebenezer, not to detract from, from David or to make light of, of what he did, but to demonstrate that the best of us have sinned. And ultimately our concern, God is not concerned about the outward presentation. He's concerned about what's in the inside. You see, church, what made David righteous was the condition of his heart and his faith. David was a man after God's own heart. First Samuel 16 and 7 says like this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Come on now, David was righteous because of his faith. And guess what? So are you and I. David, David, David's story is a testimony. He testified. He testified in Psalm 37, 5 and 6. He says this, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. This man, this, 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 this man called David, he, he had so many attributes of, of the one who would follow him, Jesus. Watch this. Jesus said these words in Matthew 5 and 20. Stay with me. He says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. Paul says in Romans 4 and 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness. These are the things that matter. It's not what you do on the outside. It's not what you do and try to make an appearance and make yourself shine. God wants to work on what's down on the inside. Because see, if it's in you, it'll come out of you. Mm, okay. All right. Last point, last point. I'm almost done. The last thing I want to talk about is David's estimation. David's estimation. David's estimation. David's estimation. The words when the, when the scripture says, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants. That's the version Pastor read, his descendants begging bread. Out of all of David's experiences, he could say with certainty that God had confidence, and he had confidence in God, and God had never forsaken the righteous. In all of Israel's history, God never left them. God was with Abraham as a pilgrim and a stranger in the land of promise. I'm almost done. God was with Jacob in the house of Laban. God was with Joseph while in slavery and in prison. God was with Moses as he stood before Pharaoh saying, let my people go. God was with Israel as they journeyed into the wilderness. God was with Joshua when they conquered the land of promise. We can count on the faithfulness of God because he has never let his people down. He is faithful, even church, when we are not. God is faithful to his word. Now, now I'm going to say this and I'm going to get ready to sit down. The only time in scripture, the only time in scripture when a righteous person was forsaken from God, came from the mouth of Jesus on the cross. 
Matthew 27 and 46. Come on now. All right. You follow me, don't you? I know. He says this, and about the ninth hour, Matthew 27 and 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus made this statement because for the first time in eternity, God the Son was separated from God the Father. And the nature of the penalty that Jesus suffered necessitated that the Father leave him for a time. You see, because on the cross, Jesus became sin for you and I. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. On the cross, Jesus was treated as the worst sinner that ever lived. On the cross, he was treated as the worst murderer. On the cross, he was treated as the worst thief. On the cross, he was treated as the worst idolater. On the cross, he was treated as the worst liar. And on the cross, he was treated as the worst embezzler. But I like what my Jesus did because the Bible says in Christ, the sinless uh became the sinful in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Apart from him, we have no righteousness. Paul said in Romans, there is none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah 53 and 45 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But I like this part because he goes on to say, Isaiah says, uh, but he was wounded for my transgressions. Uh, He was bruised. Oh, God, thank you. For my iniquity. And the chastisement uh, of our peace uh, was upon him. And with his stripes, uh, we are made healed. Uh, because the work that Jesus did, uh, he did not forsake us on the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The righteous don't have to be forsaken. Uh, Second Corinthians says we are confident. And I say willing rather to be absent from the body. Yeah, yeah. It's to be present from the Lord. Uh, isn't it comforting, Ebenezer, to know that in both life and in death, that the Lord will never forsake us. We may be beaten down but never forsaken. We might be oppressed, but never forsaken. We might be imprisoned, but he'll never leave you alone. We might be despised, but he'll never leave you alone. You may even be hungry, but he'll never leave you alone. You might even be poor, but he'll never leave you alone. You might even be jobless, but he'll never leave you alone. You might even be sick in your body, but he'll never leave you alone. Preacher, they might even hate the words that come out your mouth, but he'll never leave you alone. You may be, but never forsaken. Turn down for a promotion, my God, but never forsaken, yes. Having a hard time with your children, but never forsaken. Uh, Having difficulty in your marriage, uh, but never forsaken. Uh, Fighting temptation, uh, but never forsaken. The late, great pastor James Cleveland said it like this. Song simply says, 
I don't feel no ways tied. He goes on to say, I've come too far from where I started from. You know it. Then he said, nobody told me oh, would be easy. But then the part that should carry every one of us out of here is when he says, I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Ebenezer, if I can leave you with that, I don't believe he brought us this far to leave us. Come on. I don't believe he led us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us through 120 plus years to leave us on the side of the road. It's on sir. thing. Go ahead. Anybody believe that? If you believe he brought you this far, but he ain't going to leave you, stand to your feet just for a moment. We almost out of here. Three minutes, I promise you. Don't feel. Yeah. No. Yeah. I come to I see a few witnesses in the house that know it don't make no difference. 
despite how bad I've been, yes, despite how messed up I am, despite how many times I've messed up, despite when he should have left me, he never left me. The door of the church is open. The door of the church is open. The door of the church is open. If you have been out of fellowship, don't have a church home, you're looking for a place where you can be and watch this, not be comfortable, but be stretched. Looking for a place that's going to challenge you and looking for a place that's going to help you grow in the Lord. You're looking for a place that's going to help you become a stronger Christian, that's going to help you increase your walk. This is your opportunity to come. There is room, there is room, and there is work to do. And I believe we have to give credence and opportunity. So right now, if you are here, if you're here in the room, those of you that are members, I need y'all to start praying. I need you just to start praying where you are. Start praying where you are. And pray that someone, that God would speak to the heart. Maybe somebody online wants to join us. If you're online, if you're online and you want to join us, on the screen, there's a way you can do that. It tells you right there. Just drop a line to join us at embcchicago.org. If you're in the room, this is your opportunity to come. If you want to come, you can come now. The door is open. The door is open. There is room for you. There is room for you. There is room for you. I'm going to tell it to you like this. We we need you. God wants you. We need you, but God wants you. This is your opportunity to come. This is your chance. The door is open. The door is open. The door is open. The door is open. It's an opportunity. I can promise you this. We're going to love on you. We're going to teach you. We're going to love on you. This is your opportunity to come. This is the opportunity. y'all to carry that with you as you leave from this place. Let's prepare now our hearts and our minds for communion. Christ our Lord invites us to this, his table, all who love him and seek to grow in his likeness. 
Let us draw near in faith and make our humble confessions to Almighty God. Confessions to Almighty God. If there's something that you done done or something that you need to confess that, not to me, but to God, so that you will not eat and drink, what? Damnation to your soul. Hallelujah. If you did not get any of the elements, if you could just raise your hand, our Deacon Mayberry. We, we see you, we see you. We see you, we see you right over here to my right, to my right, to my right, to my right. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Patricia, she's good. She's good. God, we ask right now that these elements might become for us your body that was broken and your blood that was shed on Calvary. Transform these thy elements. And as we partake of these elements, let us be reminded of your sacrifice. Let us be reminded of the cost. Let us be reminded of what it took for us to be saved. We thank you, God. We thank you that you offered your son, Jesus the Christ, the Lamb of God, to not have his life taken, but that he would lay it down for us we shout hallelujah and we say thank you through jesus christ our lord we pray and all of god's people said amen and on the night in which he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he said that this is my body which was broken for you 
take, eat all of it to your comfort. And in like manner, he took the cup, the cup of blessing. He said, this cup represents my blood that was shed for you. As often as you drink this, you do so in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it to your comfort. Again, I want to remind you that Mark Harris has dinners available upstairs in the auditorium. Y'all keep playing. Y'all keep playing. Uh, upstairs in the cafeteria, in the dining room. Oh, it's right here in the Smith Chapel. So you can go right in there and get what you would like. I don't want them to take nothing home. And this gives you all an opportunity to not to have to cook tonight. Amen. The second thing I want to say, and I want to say this in advance, I'm certainly firmly aware of the journey that we are on, but we do know that ministry still needs to happen. Amen? Come on, can I get some help? Now, next week, the week of the... 18th, 17th, two members of our music ministry team will be traveling to Atlanta for a music workshop because we recognize that in order for things to improve and get better, you need to be willing to invest in it. Now, they realize the journey that Ebenezer is on. I realize the journey Ebenezer is on. And so they paid for their own airfare. Now we're going to pray mightily that Southwest treats them right. Ebenezer took care of their lodging and the pastor took care of their registration. Now, next week, I'm giving you warning or pre-advanced notice because I won't be here and Minister King will be here. I want you all to bring just a little something to put in their hands just for food because you know most jobs you supposed to get per deal, right? Ain't that right? Per deal. Well, y'all know we ain't doing per deal. So 
I'm just asking Minister King's going to do a special offering next Sunday. If you don't have it, because you work a, if you, the Lord puts it in your heart, just put something so they can at least eat decent, right? Because I don't believe that no, no person of this church ought to be forced to have to eat at McDonald's. Okay, I can't get no help here. And whatever we don't do, I'll cover. But I know y'all going to step up because we're investing in our music ministry. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you. 
I say, is that computer on? The laptop, I'm sorry. It's just not logged in. Can you log it in? I'm sorry, thank you. I thought I had did it when I was up there. I'm going to come back there. I'm coming back there. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Why you need four? Oh, okay. Yeah.